You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Corinthians chapter 15, we'll begin reading in verse number 50. The Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The year was 1918, and uh, I wasn't there, but uh, I read about it, 1918. just want to clarify that. Just teasing Brother Matt about being old, but the year was 1918. And there was a young man, he'd been very successful in business, and uh, he was very passionate about serving God. He was a great preacher, he was a great evangelist, and he was a great singer. And he traveled to many churches to sing and to preach, and he was so burdened about good Christian music that in 1918, he established a music company. Uh, the goal really was to publish music and to print music for churches and to print music for revival meetings. But the first year his company started in 1918, they sold 15,000 hymn books. That may not sound like a lot to you, but in 1918, the first year of the company, this was before online, right? And before all that stuff, this was a long time ago. They sold 15,000 copies of their first hymn book. This man, who was a preacher and singer and evangelist, he himself wrote about 800 songs. 1918, his music company began. 1939, things changed very drastically. You see, for this man, he experienced a stroke that stopped him from traveling, that stopped him from preaching, that stopped him from singing in churches and singing in evangelistic crusades. 1939, he experienced a stroke, massive stroke. Not only that, in 1939, uh, the world was experiencing unrest. The world was on the brink of World War II. And many people would have thought that this man's ministry was over, and many would have thought that his influence was over, and many would have thought that this man had given up on life. But after writing almost 800 songs, 
After many years of ministry, this man wrote one final song before he died. And that song that he wrote while he was suffering from the effects of a stroke, knowing he did not probably have long to live, he wrote this song. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Keep in mind, he had suffered a stroke and he wrote the second verse. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and he caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. This man knew that his days were probably very short, had no idea how instrumental and how influential this one song would be. Probably one of the greatest songs and greatest hymns since he wrote it in 1939. Probably one of the greatest impactful songs in our churches today. Oh, victory in Jesus. I want to sing. We'll sing together that third verse and the chorus. And I know we don't have the words on the screen, but I think you know it. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. I want you to sing it like you believe it. Here we go. I heard about a mansion he has built for me. Aren't you glad for that the person that wrote that song, he knew what he was talking about. He said, I, I cried, come and heal my broken spirit. His ministry had come to an end. His health was gone. He was knowing that his time was short to live. He said, Jesus, would you come and heal my broken spirit? And he said this, and somehow, I don't know how, but somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. I want to preach this morning on the subject, Victory in Jesus. Our theme for the year is more than conquerors. Romans 8, 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that lived, uh, loved us. Verse 57, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Keep in mind that when Paul wrote to the church at Rome and the Christians at Rome, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, the people of God were suffering intense persecution. They were not living in a thriving economy. They were not living in a peaceful society. They were suffering persecution at the hands of the Roman soldiers. They were being thrown to the lions to be torn apart. They were being put and placed in gladiators so that all the, the people could gather and watch and mock and ridicule these Christians. But yet in the midst of difficult times, Paul said, you and I still have victory in Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, your health may not be good like it was not good for Eugene Bartlett when he penned the words to victory in Jesus. Your health may not be good like it was not good for Dr. Curtis Hudson when he stood in pulpits and over and over and over and over again saying, well, I'm on the winning side while he was dying of cancer. Your health may not be good, but can I tell you, you can still have victory in Jesus. Your finances may not be great, but you can still have victory in Jesus. Our nation may be in a mess, but we can still have victory in Jesus. I want to tell you, this is not pie in the sky. This is not wishful thinking, but victory in Jesus is possible for every person that's here today, no matter what your circumstances. You may be watching online or maybe you're driving down the road and you're listening on the radio. You say, Pastor, you don't know my situation. I don't have to know your situation because God has promised that we can have victory in Jesus. And as a matter of fact, we're not waiting on victory. Victory's already been won. We're going to read in this passage here that Jesus Christ won the victory when he conquered death and he conquered hell and he conquered the grave once and for all. You see, if Jesus could conquer death, I think he can take care of our sicknesses. If Jesus could conquer the grave, I think he can take care of our circumstances. We have victory in Jesus. Notice quickly verse number 50, just a, a brief introduction. We'll get right to the message. Verse 50 tells us that there is a problem. The Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so the Apostle Paul explains to the church at Corinth, he said, hey, you and I, these bodies, they're, they're sinful. These bodies are corruptible. These bodies are mortal. These bodies cannot live forever. But he said, but don't worry. He said, I got good news for you. He said in verse 51, I show you a mystery. A mystery is a secret thing or it's a hidden thing. And Paul says, I want to explain something to you. I got good news. Our fleshly bodies cannot get to heaven. But don't you worry about that. Jesus has already figured it all out. He has already got the solution to that problem. I want you to notice number one. I want you to notice the promise of victory. The promise of victory is found in verse number 51 where the Bible says we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. That word sleep is the word to die. And can I tell you why Paul wrote that? Because he believed that Jesus could have come back in his lifetime. And I want to tell you, Jesus did not come back in Paul's lifetime, but he might come back in our lifetime. And I think Brother Dan mentioned it in Sunday school. But uh, can I tell you, when you see all that's going on around the, in the world today, 
How can you not believe that Jesus is coming soon? I want to tell you, he's coming back. And so not everybody, not every Christian is going to die. There will be those who are alive when the trumpet sounds. And when the rapture takes place, that crowd, that generation of Christians will not have to experience death. Now, I'd like to be on that. I'd like to be on that load. I'd like to be carried up in that crowd. But Paul said, we're not all going to sleep, but we will all be changed. That word changed, it means to be transformed. And he goes on to explain how that our bodies will take on a transformation. That, that doesn't mean that you get healthy or it doesn't mean that you start lifting weights or it doesn't mean that uh, you're going to uh, you know, have something unusual happen to your flesh and your blood. But he said, your body is going to be transformed. It's going to be changed. Verse 52, we see the promise of victory in a moment. That word moment, literally, if you look it up, it literally means an uncut, indivisible portion of time. Now, I'm not very smart, and please don't say amen there, although you could. Uh, I'm not very smart, but I know that you can divide up a minute, right? A minute can be divided up into seconds, right? So I know that. Now, I know you can divide up seconds. I don't know what all the terms are for those. But can you imagine getting down to a, 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 an instant in time that is so small and it's so quick that you cannot even divide it? The Bible says it, that we're going to be raptured out of here in a moment, in an instant. It goes on to say in the twinkling of an eye. That doesn't say the blink of an eye. The blink of an eye is pretty fast. But even quicker than that is the twinkle. Or literally, it's talking about just a little twitch of an eye. We are going to be out of here. Hallelujah for that. And that's the promise. The promise is that Jesus is coming back. The promise is that the trumpet of God is going to sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. I want to tell you, it's a promise. It will happen. You say, how do we know it's going to happen? Well, if Jesus came the first time, and he did, right? He came and he was born in a manger. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. He came the first time, and he went back to heaven. And when he went back to heaven, he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Can I tell you, he's coming back. And our promise of victory is guaranteed. He's already done it. He's already defeated death. He's already conquered the grave and he is coming back. Number one, the promise. Number two, I see the power of victory. The power of victory is that the corruptible has put on incorruption and, and the mortal has put on immortality. I don't have to stand here and explain to you that our bodies are corruptible and our bodies are mortal. You know why? Because we all get sick. Uh, we all get tired. Uh, we all get older. Uh, you'll say, oh boy, where'd that, where'd that ache come from? I don't remember that. Or, or yeah, I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about staying up all night long. And I said, I can stay up all night long, but I'm gonna have to get some sleep sometime the next day. But I remember when I was a teenager, all night activities or whatever, you do that and you know what you do the next day? Whatever you wanna do, I mean, you're ready to go. Can I tell you, our bodies are corruptible. But the promise of victory is that Jesus is coming, but the power of victory 
is that our corruptible bodies will become incorruptible. Notice verse number 54. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. What is that saying that has been written? Well, it's found in Isaiah 25, 8, where it says that death will be swallowed up in victory. That word swallowed, it means to be devoured, or literally it means to be destroyed. It's kind of like what I imagine a teenage, a teenage boy would do to a, a large pizza. You know what that teenage boy can do to that large pizza? He can devour it. He can destroy it. He can leave no evidence of anything remaining, right? Can I tell you, when Jesus got through with death, it was swallowed up. It was swallowed up. It was destroyed. It was over and victory was left in its place because Jesus conquered death. That's the power of victory. The Bible says in verse number 57, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. That word victory in the Greek is the word Nikos, N-I-K-O-S. It's where the Nike brand came from. That word Nike, literally that, that swoosh and that brand Nike, that is victory. Now, I'm not saying that if you wear Nike shoes, you're always going to win. But I'm saying this, that when you have victory in Jesus, that's the real deal. It is victory, it is triumph, it is conquering, it is to utterly vanquish an enemy. And death has been defeated, death has been destroyed. It is swallowed up in victory. Notice verse number 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You see, death used to have a sting. Before Jesus conquered death, there was a sting, there was a pain, there was a hurt that came with death. But after Jesus defeated death, the stinger is gone. It's like this. If you have a bee that is buzzing around you, that might scare you. That might bother you. But if the bee does not have its stinger, the bee cannot actually do anything to hurt you. And death has been flying around for a long time. And death has been buzzing around for a long time, but for the child of God, death has lost its sting. It's lost its pain. You say, how come? Because death is not the end for the Christian. Death is just the beginning. Death is just the doorway that leads you from this world to the next. It leads you from earth to glory. And death has lost its sting. There's power in victory. There's power in Jesus and how he conquered death. I want to remind you that the book of Psalms, David reminded the child of God that we don't go through death. We only go through the shadow of death. Now again, shadows can be scary, but shadows can never harm you. I told this story, I think it was at the uh, funeral for Brother Lawrence Shotwell last year. But I told the story about a preacher whose wife had passed away and his, this preacher, he had a daughter and he was trying so hard to explain to his daughter about what happened and the fact that yes, her mother had died, but yes, she was going to see her mother again. And they were in the state of Indiana and one day they were walking down the streets in Indianapolis and they were walking on the sidewalk on the side of the road and the way the sun was, was setting, there were shadows that were coming across that street and the shadows were on that sidewalk where they were walking. And about that time, a big dump truck came down the street. 
they were on the sidewalk, but the dump truck came down the street, and as the dump truck went past them, the shadow of that dump truck covered them and, and literally passed over them. And the preacher explained to his daughter right away, he, he set her down, he said, I want to explain to you. You see that dump truck that just went past? And she said, yes, I saw it. He said, did you see the shadow that came over us when that dump truck passed? And she said, I saw it. And he said this, he said, if the dump truck would have hit us, we would have been in trouble. But the dump truck didn't hit us. It was just the shadow. And the shadow doesn't hurt. And I want to tell you, for the child of God, as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, death has already been defeated. It's already been conquered. And we have power in victory because of Jesus and because of what he did on the cross. Number one, the promise of victory. Number two, the power of victory. But number three, I want you to notice the praise for victory. Verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be unto God who always causeth us to triumph in Christ. The word triumph, it literally means to, uh, to have victory, but it has the idea of celebrating victory. Now, don't do this, okay? I'm just, I'm giving an illustration, but don't do this. I've heard preachers say, I wish people would get as excited about church as they get about the Super Bowl. You've heard that before, right? And then I, I read somewhere where somebody said, you know, the preacher said he wanted us to get excited about church like the Super Bowl, but he didn't appreciate it when after the service we dumped the, the bottle or the, the, the bucket of Gatorade over his head in celebration. We didn't, he didn't appreciate that. So don't do that, okay? And don't come to church necessarily with your you know, face painted and your favorite jersey and all that. But here's what I'm saying. You know what happens after a big game that you win? There's celebration. There's joy. There's rejoicing. You don't believe it? The next time you see a big game, don't turn it off as soon as the game ends. Watch as the cameras span across and they, 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 they put, come on the faces of the team that won. You know what they're doing? They're going crazy. They're celebrating. I always think there are more injuries in the celebration after the game than there are in the game because people lose their minds. I mean, they're jumping on each other and they're tackling and having a big hog pile and all that. And you watch the faces of those people, they are so excited, right? They're celebrating because they won. But then if you ever watch and the camera goes to the losing team, you almost feel bad for them, don't you? Unless it's your arch rival, then you don't care. But, but you feel bad because their faces, it's, they're depressed. They lost. The, the, the season that they, they should have won and that championship game could have been theirs, they lost the game. And there is, a, there is a spirit of defeat and discouragement on their faces. Can I tell you what the world ought to see when they see us? They ought to see the spirit of victory. They ought to see Christians that have victory in Jesus. There ought to be a praise for victory. Thanks be unto God. All the glory goes to God. It's not in us. We're not looking for a pat on the back. We're not looking for a, a certificate of achievement. We know that the victory is all because of God and all the glory goes to Him. It's a gift. Thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory. It's already been won. All we have to do is to claim it. I'm thankful that I'm saved, and I hope you praise God every day you're saved. 
I'm thankful that death is not final. I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful uh, that God has given us the victory and we have no reason to be discouraged, but we have victory in Jesus. Lastly, I see very quickly the plan for victory. There's a promise of victory. There's a power of victory. There's the praise for victory. But then I see the plan for victory. It's in verse 58. And sometimes I think we close our Bibles after verse 57 and we say, hallelujah, we got the victory. And we do. But verse 58 is in there for a reason because God has a plan for how we can capitalize and how we can carry out the victory that he's given. Verse 58, therefore, because we have the victory, here's what we need to do. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hallelujah for that. Uh, if that's all I gave you this morning, I want to tell you, that'd be something for you to chew on all week long. Hey, we have the victory and therefore because of that, number one, I want to say be fixed. The word is steadfast. That word means that you are fixed and you are settled in your place. We ought to be fixed. Number two, be firm. The Bible says be steadfast, unmovable. Be firm. Know what you believe. Believe, uh, rest on the Bible. Get your foundation in the word of God and don't move. I was thinking about this and I won't do this. I don't want to get hurt. But if I had somebody come up and I was, I was standing on one leg and I was trying to balance and I said, come on up and, and push me over. That'd be easy, you know, because I have no balance. I, I have no firm foundation. If I had both feet on the ground and I was ready and I told somebody, I said, hey, come and try to push me over. Well, maybe they could, maybe they couldn't, but it'd be a little bit harder. But if I was hanging on to this pulpit and I was firmly and, and securely fastened to this pulpit and I said, hey, try to push me over now. Be hard to do, wouldn't it? You know, some Christians, they're, they're relying upon their own ability and their own, their own talents and their own experience. And they're like this. They're, they're trying to balance in this world with no foundation. But can I tell you, we ought to get grounded in the word of God. We ought to be fixed and we ought to be firm and we ought to be settled on the word of God. Amen. Number three, be fervent. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That ought to be our passion. Uh, uh, church and, and serving God and ministry and, and Bible reading and prayer and living the Christian life, it shouldn't be an extra that we just tack on at the end because, well, we got to have the Christian thing. We ought to be passionate about it. We ought to be passionate about serving God like we're passionate about sports or like we're passionate about our hobbies. We ought to be fervent in serving God. And then I'll say this, be focused always abounding in the work of the Lord. Get your focus fixed and say, I am going to serve God. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if everybody else quits. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Be focused and then be fruitful. It says, as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That word vain, it means to be empty or to be fruitless. There's nothing accomplished. I want to tell you, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You can have fruit. You can see people saved. You can see prayers answered. 
You can see people helped. You can make a difference in somebody's life. Can I tell you, don't think that you're wasting your time serving God. And even if you never see the results down here, I got good news for you. God's keeping score. And when we get to heaven, there will be no regrets for serving God. Be fruitful. And then lastly, be faithful. Always abounding. Just, just always, every time, every day, every week, every month, every year. Just keep on serving God for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.